What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Good friends, good to see you again on this latest edition of the Bill Press Pod. You know, if democracy is in peril, and it is, if 2022 features a slew of key Senate, gubernatorial, and local elections, and it does, and if Trumpers are doing everything they can at every level to make it harder for people to vote, and they are, then what happens in Wisconsin is key. The Badger State is ground zero this year in the fight to protect voting rights, to prevent Trumpers from overturning the next election, and to keeping or increasing Democratic control of the U.S. Senate. It's no exaggeration to say that what happens in Wisconsin this year could determine whether or not our democracy survives. That's a huge challenge for the Democratic Party of Wisconsin and especially for Ben Wickler, the state's Democratic Party chair. We caught up with Chairman Wickler on the job in Madison, Wisconsin's state capital. Mr. Chairman, welcome to the Bill Press Pod. Good to reconnect with you, Ben. Mr. Press, it's great to be back with you. And you know, as a former Democratic state chair of California, I salute you as the Democratic <laughs> state chair of Wisconsin. And uh, I, I believe me, I recognize uh, how difficult it is to be herding cats, you know. <laughs> when I ran say. for chair, someone asked me, uh, why, why would you run for chair of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin? And I said, it's because these Republicans are out of control. And they said, if you're elected state party chair, <laughs> Republicans will be the least of your problems. <laughs> Well, you're doing a great job out there, and uh, it's it's really good to be able to talk to you. Let me let me start with Ron John. I got to ask. I mean, look, this guy was always a conservative, but he was never this crazy. What what happened? He he has changed. I feel like I don't know if the, if it's the filter coming off completely, or or if it's the effect of watching Trump. I think a lot of it has to do with watching Trump because you know there's the very publicized way that he's gone way off the deep end calling climate change bs and you know opposing pushing of vaccines and you know all these really offensive things totally yeah, whitewashing january right. 6th but there's another side to it which is that since trump came into office he's gone into overdrive with the most self-serving policies he literally uh, refused to vote for trump's giant tax giveaway to the ultra rich until he could add a special tax break for the kind of corporation that he personally owns mm. So he he hasn't he won't say how much money he personally made, but we know his biggest campaign donors, a couple of Wisconsin billionaires who put twenty million dollars into his twenty sixteen election, walked away with more than two hundred million dollars the next year alone. Wow! But yeah, yeah it, it is yeah. the most. It's ATM politics. It's disgusting. But and and as you point out, like on COVID, right? He's not only an anti anti vaccine person. He pushes these other things like mouthwash, like. Really? <laughs> Standard gargle mouthwash, he says, kills COVID. 
that Listerine had to weigh in and, and give a correction in saying that its its product does not prevent COVID infections. Um, but I think he's playing. He, I think part of this is it's hard to believe anyone believes this stuff, but part of it is a strategy to try to you know appeal to the most extreme fringe. And it gets him publicity and it pisses off people like us, which then, you know, for people mm-hmm. who love seeing liberals get annoyed, um, you know, it's it's delightful for them. But at the same time, he is using the power that all of this gives him to pad his own pockets. And that's one of the things we found is that for voters who – even Republican voters who backed him in the past as well as certainly independent voters, uh, the self-serving nature of what he does is a, is a giant – it's a voter repellent. The more people learn about it, the less support he has going into 2022. And we want to make that a key part of what people learn about, about Ron Johnson. Uh, and of course, uh, as this uh, coming coming into office, he said, I'll be there just two terms, right? I don't want to be one of these people that die in office and, and drag it out. And now he is reneged on that promise. Does anybody care? You know, for people that love having him in office, they don't care. For the rest of us, it's the least reason to oppose him. <laughs> but it does <laughs> right. it does it, kind of illustrate the way that he always makes decisions based on what's best for Ron Johnson rather than what's best for the public. He it wasn't just that he you know said he wouldn't want to serve more than two terms. It's that he had a principled argument against it, which is that yeah. you needed citizen legislators. That was the basis of his self-term uh-huh. limit. He's now a creature of Washington. I mean, he's a kind of a poster boy for what's happened to the, the worst parts of the Republican Party nationally, and breaking his own term limit pledge is just part and parcel of all that. Uh, and then he says, I, I love this statement, he, 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 he's changing his mind. He changed his mind because America needs him, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the people yes. of America are crying out, please, Ron, don't go away. I, mean, I know. I mean, the funny thing is that if he paid even the most minimal attention to what you know, the general public wants as opposed to his kind of you know, mega donor base wants, he would see that people do not want him in the Senate. They don't want him in public life. The guy should be off the stage. He has worn out his welcome. Uh, but, you know, again, for a very small group of people, it's been incredibly lucrative to have him in the Senate. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're getting great donor service. And who could ask for something better than a 10 to 1 return in a single year on their campaign contributions? So, yeah, you know, I'm sure there are a handful of people who who definitely want him to run. And I think those are the people whose side he's on. I saw that a couple of days ago, the Capital Times, which is out of Madison, uh, I believe, newspaper there, uh, called Johnson uh, himself the virus that is infecting the Republican Party and called him a delusional huckster, uh, uh, well described, I believe. Is that kind of, does that reflect what the rest of the state's media is saying about him? I mean, it's it's mixed. Wisconsin uh-huh. has eighty one right wing talk radio stations, and he loves Whoa. going on right wing talk radio. And he, yeah. you know, it's the place where he's done his most impressively awful work in in a lot of ways. So for right wing talk radio, for Fox News, where he went right after he announced in the Wall Street pages, the Wall Street Journal editorial page, where he actually made his announcement. In those places, he's he's being celebrated. I think the general public who get their news from non biased sources see how bad he's been. Uh, But I will also say that for a lot of voters, so much attention has been paid to what is offensive about what he stands for. And there's been much less attention to how he's used his power to benefit himself. Mm -hmm. And part of my lesson from 2016 is that if people knew 
how much Trump broke all his promises and stiffed regular people and and how much he was a con man and not just someone saying offensive, outrageous things. I think that election might've gone differently. So we don't want to make that same mistake with Ron Johnson. We want to make sure we talk about what affects people, not just what offends people. Will there be a GOP primary challenge to him, do you believe, or is there? Extremely unlikely in my view. Um, Johnson has really kind of cornered the market on <laughs> extreme fringe <laughs> positions. So yeah. it's not like you can run to his right. Um, and there's not a lot of energy left in the vital center of the Republican Party, but used to be the mainstream of the Republican Party. So I think he's going to run unchallenged until the general. Now, the fact that he's so repelled so many voters that he only has a 35% approval rating in Wisconsin has attracted a dozen Democrats to run against him. And that's, I think, a real sign of his weakness that so many people look at him and think, not only would I be a better senator, but I could beat this guy in a general election. And our primary is not till August 9th. So it's a very late primary. The party's required by our constitution to be neutral in the primary. So my focus every day and, and the focus of thousands of volunteers around the state is to make sure we've done everything we can do with organizing with you know, building local volunteer teams with voter protection work to be ready for the moment when we have a nominee and then shoot like a rocket ship through the November election day. At this point, is there uh, any front runner? Uh, as you say, I know from your position as state chair, you can't take sides in the primary, but uh, any two or three front runners? I mean, I, listeners can, can Google to, to learn about the different candidates, but as a as state okay. chair, it really is my job to just yeah. be thinking about how to make sure that whoever the nominee becomes um, can, can roar through the, the finish line. We have some experience with this. We had a, a 16-way primary to run against Scott Walker in 2018, and we had 26 people running against Donald Trump in 2020. Mm-hmm. So in each case, the state party built a statewide campaign infrastructure so that once we had a nominee, they started ahead instead of having to start from scratch. Uh, by the way, uh, I want to get back to this uh, jo- Johnson uh, contest, but whatever happened to Scott Walker, by the way? Someone asked me that this morning, and I said, you know what? I haven't heard of him in years. Um, is, he, is he still active? Is he still around? So uh, Scott Walker uh, runs Young Americans for Freedom, which is, you know, I, I don't know if you could really say that he's for freedom. He's 54 years now. Uh, he's, he's not young either. Yeah, he's not a spring. I mean, maybe this counts for, for young in the ranks of Republican politicians, but he's, uh, you know, he has a special interest group that he's advocating mm-hmm. with now, and he's kind of trolling people on Twitter. Uh, but he's he's really off the stage. And yeah. it's interesting because, you know, he, Reince Priebus, who was the Republican Party chair in our state before he became the national party chair who elected Trump, right? Paul Ryan, it used to be those three were the kind of dominant figures in Republican politics in Wisconsin, and all of them are, are off the picture now. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, back to Johnson, you do believe that he is vulnerable uh, in November? He's deeply vulnerable. The The polling suggests that he's the most vulnerable incumbent senator from either party. Well, he's... Yeah, he uh, has, you know, I think six percentage point more Wisconsinites disapprove of the job he's doing than approve. Um, he's, there's a there's a big group of people that just do not want him to get another term. Now, the group I'm worried about is the 22% of Wisconsinites who tell pollsters they don't have an opinion yet. And so mm-hmm. our goal is to make sure that those people get enough information to reach an opinion. Um, that number used to be 30%, and we've driven it down by about a quarter over the last year. We just have to keep chipping away and make sure people actually... You know, when when people hear the name Ron Johnson, something yeah. comes to mind as opposed to having a blank slate. 
because what he did in the past, he kept a kind of a low profile for for his first term. When right. He ran for when he ran for reelection, his reelection campaign was that he was a you know common sense, no BS businessman, and that's what people voted for. Um, also, who was who was not going to run for another term, and that's what people voted for. And then he turned around and gave himself a giant tax cut and started you know saying things that embarrassed our state. What are the registration numbers in Wisconsin? So Wisconsin doesn't have partisan voter registration. So, you know, we have our our models and so forth, but there's no moment in the registration process where people say, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. And the other thing is we have same-day registration. So um, typically, you know, 6 to 12% of the entire electorate registers and votes at the same time, um, either during the two weeks of early voting or on election day itself. And that means that you, you have to, you know, interact with everyone you you talk to as a potential voter, whether they're registered or not. But it also means you often don't know who's going to be a registered voter until after the polls have closed. So that gets to the question of turnout, right? Um, And that gets to the question of enthusiasm and energy. Um, Do you sense that now on the ground in Wisconsin? I mean, Wisconsin is such a key state. It seems that every two, every four years, right? It's all about Wisconsin. <laughs> so Wisconsin's the only state in the country that's had four out of the last six presidential races come down to less than one percentage point. Wow. Huh. Huh. Biden, Biden the yeah. last time and then Trump before that. Yep. And John Kerry in 2004 and Al Gore in 2000. Obama won in a landslide, but each time he won, he was followed by a Scott Walker win in a landslide. So you know, either we're in a knife's edge or we're zigzagging. And I think this election cycle is likely to be no exception. We can we can see there's lots of publicity about Republican energy. On the Democratic side, we organize a big kind of day of canvassing and making phone calls um, one year out from election day, every every election cycle. Mm-hmm. In, in 2021, uh, we set a goal that was more than twice as high as the goal that we'd set in 2020. 19 before the presidential election and we crushed that goal we have no we have, kidding yeah. we had more volunteer shifts in our spring statewide election in 2021 than we did in the the spring of 2020 in the state supreme court election after COVID hit so there really is a ton of energy on the democratic side and we're going to need every bit of it because the deck is always stacked against you in midterm elections when your party controls the presidency so i, I really see this as another one percentage point you know wisconsin knife's edge election uh, and it's going to be it's going to be intense, but we need every every minute Wisconsinites and friends of Wisconsin can can put in to make sure every voter knows the stakes. But you're saying that that you you see that and you can measure that enthusiasm based on on your uh, big event in 2021 for the midterms too. Not this is not a presidential election, right? So normally exactly. normally turnout is down, interest is down, but. But you think it's there? Is it? How much of it is related to Donald Trump? At this point, I don't think it is. I think it's Trumpism. I think there's a real sense of the whole Republican Party has moved so far out of the realm of decency and common sense, uh, and especially the you know the way the Republican Party's combined a kind of you know anti-democracy authoritarian bent with a kind of looting kleptocratic where it's all about shoveling money from the middle class to those at the top. And that that's a really toxic combination. Um, but it means that it's so critical to prevent Republicans from getting control of the Senate. Um, there's obviously a huge fight for the House in, in Wisconsin itself. Our governor is the 
one barrier that we have against Republicans shredding voting rights here, and even potentially giving themselves the power to overturn a presidential election result. And Wisconsin was the tipping point state in both of the last two presidential elections. So it might very well be that whether or not the the result in Wisconsin is actually honored determines the next president of the United States. And that that kind of crisis of democracy has really uh, energized people. It's not Trump specific. It's about the way that the Republican Party and the insurrection, all those different pieces have just attacked the fundamental American idea that voters decide who leads our country. Is the governor up for re-election this year? He is. So Governor Tony Evers uh, is was elected by 1.1 percentage points of Wisconsin landslide in 2018. He's up in 2022. Uh, we were working very closely with his campaign. And we the New York Times described the governorships of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan as a, the seawall for voting rights. If we can win the governor's race, hold on to a Democratic governorship here, then the governor can keep vetoing the voter suppression bills Republicans keep trying to pass. If Republicans get the governorship, it becomes really tough. Looking at, as you said, Wisconsin politics being so key uh, at, at the national level in determining which direction the country goes, when you look back at the history of Wisconsin politics, right, I mean, you've got some real, I consider heroes, right, of democracy, Robert La Follette and Gaylord Nelson and Bill Proxmire, Russ Feingold, Tammy Baldwin today, Mark Bocan. You know, and then you got Joe McCarthy and Ron Johnson. It's sort of like uh, the rest of us don't know what to make of Wisconsin. (laughs) You're exactly right. Yeah, there's some places that, you know, they're evenly divided. And so the politicians are middle of the road. In Wisconsin, there really is a fighting progressive champion tradition. And there's a, a far right demagogue tradition. And it's like this constant giant showdown between those two forces, between these two fundamentally different ideas about what our country should be, whether it should be you know ruled through fear or ruled through hope and people uniting to take on corporate power to make things better for everyone. And in that fight, the critical thing is the battle against cynicism. I think that the division in Wisconsin over the last decade made some people tune out. You know, people don't like to, the fact that they lose friends over battles about, you know, whether they think teachers should be paid a living wage. Uh, but we need to we need to keep keep fixed in people's minds the fact that when we get together, when we all do everything we can, we can win these elections. We've won now 10 of the last 11 statewide races in our state. And even mm-hmm. though this is a midterm that's going to be tough, if we turn out in the numbers that I know that we can, we can beat Ron Johnson, we can reelect Governor Tony Evers, we can stop Republican supermajorities in the in the in the legislature. Uh, we can make a difference that will echo for generations in our state and nationwide. And from your lips to God's ears, uh, Ben Ben Wickler is our guest. He's the uh, Democratic State Chair of the great state of Wisconsin. Ben, I know uh, you mentioned the threat to democracy nationwide in state after state after state. President Biden's been talking about this. Uh, And it's, again, uh, a lot of the battles being fought are right there in your state of Wisconsin. Um, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you about what's going on on the ground in Wisconsin in terms of election reform or threats to democracy. Today's podcast with Ben Wickler, chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party, is brought to you by the Iron Workers Union of North America. Under the leadership of President Eric Dean, the iron workers say the sky's the limit, and boy, do they mean it. 
you look at most of America's iconic structures, the Golden Gate Bridge, the Sears Tower, the Arch in St. Louis, the New World Trade Center, all built by iron workers. Check out their website, ironworkers.org, to find out more about their great work. We salute the iron workers of America and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we're back with today's podcast. Our guest, Ben Wickler, uh, he was head of moveon.org here in Washington, D.C. When we first hooked up, now he is the state chair, Democratic state chair of the state of Wisconsin. So we started talking about um, Senator Ron Johnson, Ron John. Uh, one of the things that he's come out for is that uh, he wants state legislature to overtake the job of the state elections commission. Correct? I have that right? You got that right. So uh, under Scott Walker, the Republicans rewrote Wisconsin election law. They put in uh, voter ID requirements that were incredibly unnecessarily restrictive, uh, a variety of different things they did to make it harder to register to vote. Mm -hmm. One thing they did was they created something called the Wisconsin Elections Commission, which is a bipartisan group, three commissioners appointed by Democrats, three commissioners appointed by Republicans, uh, overseeing a nonpartisan civil service staff to oversee election administration statewide. And that commission has served us, you know, for uh, the last, I guess, seven years. Um, now that Trump lost, suddenly that system set up by Republicans that oversaw elections mm-hmm. where Democrats law, uh, won, where Republicans won, and, you know, that were close and not close. Suddenly, after the election results are in, Republicans think that system that they created is a disaster. And Ron Johnson thinks that our state legislature, which is ultra-Republican the result of intensive gerrymandering where Republicans drew district lines that guaranteed that they would have majorities. Ron Johnson wants the state legislature to seize control of election administration in our state without even passing a law, which is totally illegal. That's his plan. Um, And it's part of a statewide massive assault on the engine of democracy 
uh, that goes from him to state legislators to Republican members of Congress, not just opposing federal voting rights legislation, but actually suing to our state Supreme Court. Rebecca Clayfish, who's the, the terrible Republican candidate for governor, she was Scott Walker's lieutenant governor when this system was created. She's already sued to try to get our partisan right-wing state Supreme Court to take over election administration and says if she's elected, she'll sign bills to do the thing that Ron Johnson wants to do even without passing a bill, which is to hand the keys to our state legislature. Uh, the Republican plot against democracy in Wisconsin is right out in the open, and it is the center of the stakes for the country in our state in 2022. And the result would be, right, were they successful that the state legislature could overturn the vote of the people and send a different set of electors to Washington, right? That's ex that's the end point of this plot. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And there's a there's a bill that a Republican representative introduced now, uh, pretty audaciously, given that he knows that you know there's a Democratic governor who would never let it pass. But he's already introduced a bill that would allow uh, the state legislature to invalidate elections where the margin of victory is less than the number of absentee ballots that are cast. I mean, that is it's so ludicrous. It's so nakedly partisan and anti small d democratic. It's anti American. It's really it's like. It's like spitting on the flag. It's a disgusting anti-American authoritarian idea about how to how to define who has power. And that's that's at the heart of the Republican project now. Is Tony Evers the only the only way to stop it? I mean, uh, uh, any hope in the courts or the Supreme Court? The US Supreme Court at this point, I don't think we can yeah. lean anything against. Right. Um, Wisconsin, the state Supreme Court next has an election that could determine the majority in 2023. So that's that's not going to be mm -hmm. a great source of relief. It really does to come down to our governorship. And Tony Evers is unwavering. He's rock solid in his commitment to democracy. He will use his veto pen anytime Republicans try to threaten a, a you know, small-D Democratic Republican system of government. And the Republican candidate, Rebecca Clayfish, is someone you would never want to trust with that power. Uh, you can see from what she's promising in her campaign, you can see from her record, you know, she's exactly the kind of person that in a in a situation like 2020 would buckle and hand things to Trump um, against the law, against anyone's conscience or better judgment. It's It's so central to keeping her out of this office. This entire national um, effort to undermine democracy, uh, destroy it, as far as I'm concerned, it, it really is centered uh, in Wisconsin, among other states, but it's right, you know, right front and center in Wisconsin. And I saw last week that a judge uh, also said that drop boxes for, for mail-in voting uh, are illegal, he said, in Wisconsin. Well, first of all, tell us about mail-in voting. How important a part of the, uh, the, the election process is it in Wisconsin? Sure. So absentee ballots became a very important part of our election process last uh, in 2020 because of the pandemic. Uh, Wisconsin has roughly roughly 3 million voters in Wisconsin. Historically, there have never been more than a quarter million absentee ballots. But in 2020, it was more than a million and a quarter absentee ballots. It was you know, probably two-thirds of the Democratic votes cast in that election came from people who voted absentee. Uh, Absentee ballots were cast in much higher numbers by Democrats than Republicans. And so there's been an obsessive focus by Republicans ever since then to crack down on, on ballot access for people who want to vote from home by mail. Now, you know, you were saying this whole nationwide effort by the, by the GOP to attack our democracy comes down in some ways to Wisconsin. I think the, the really specific thing is 
If you take all the states where Republicans have the power to pass laws, you can take Arizona and Georgia, which went for Biden, but they have Republican governors. Uh, Take Texas and Florida. Take the whole list of states where Republicans have both chambers of the state legislature and the governorship. All those states, they can restrict voting rights all they want, but they don't have the power to determine the presidency because they don't have enough electoral college votes to add up to 270, which you need to win the presidency. So if you take all those states, they don't have the power to overturn a presidential election unless they add Wisconsin. And this is the key. If it's a close election, um, you know, and they let's say we rerun 2020, uh, they get all the same states that they got last time. They flip the results of the two states that have Republican governors, Georgia and Arizona. They still don't win unless you add Wisconsin's electoral college votes. If you do that, then they get the presidency. It's that's that's what it means to be the tipping point, and that's why they're so obsessed with trying to take over election administration in the Badger State, and that's why we've got to stop them. And that's this this judicial ruling that just came out from a self-avowed conservative judge who has you know pictures of uh, George Washington and then a bunch of only Republican presidents in his courtroom. Uh, that guy just decided. The two things that Republicans have conspiracy theories about, uh, drop boxes and also helping people deliver their absentee ballots. Republicans call it uh, ballot harvesting. In reality, it typically means you know a family member bringing all that family's ba- ballots to the mailbox. Um, he said both of those things are illegal. It'll be appealed, but it's an example of the right-wing assault on the mechanics of, of voting, not trying to win by ideas, not trying to bring voters to their side or turn them out, but by invalidating votes that are lawfully cast by Democrats. It'll be appealed to the state court of appeals and then ultimately the state Supreme Court. It's so it's so bald and and you know outside of the law. I think we have a, a prayer of overturning it, um, but nothing's a guarantee. And in 2020, we saw state Supreme Court rulings over and over that restricted voting rights and two U.S. Supreme Court rulings that restricted voting rights in Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, we have to expect that we're going to have a giant court battle up against us on top of the you know, huge amounts of money that Republicans will funnel into the state. And of course, I have to ask, what was the evidence of massive fraud at drop boxes that caused this judge to rule the way he did? There was no evidence. Of, of, I knew of, the answer. Yeah. There have been uh, so many investigations at this point. Uh, our legislative audit bureau did an investigation. There have been investigations through the courts. There have been you know, one thing after another, and they all conclude that this was a safe, secure, free, and fair election in Wisconsin. It was beautifully administered by more than 1,800 local municipal clerks around our state. Uh, that's how democracy is supposed to work, and Republicans are complaining about it only after the fact because they lost. It is the worst form of sour grapes. Are there also efforts to make uh, absentee ballots illegal, no voting by mail? I mean, I know some some states are considering that. Is that uh, under consideration in Wisconsin? They haven't tried to ban absentee ballots overall. What they've tried to do is figure out ways to stop Democrats from being able to, to cast them or get them. Uh, one of the rules that Republicans put in place a while ago is the requirement that when you request an absentee ballot, you have to take a photo of your voter ID and then upload it to a state government website, which is a pretty you know, exclusive, yeah. uh, exclusionary process, not just because a lot of people don't have, uh, especially young people, uh, people and people of color in Wisconsin don't have driver's licenses, even though they're eligible to vote, but also because a lot of seniors and you know, people without good broadband or technology, they, they don't have yeah. an easy way to take that photo and upload it and don't know how to navigate a website. So that law's on the books. Uh, tons of people got their ballots uploaded in 2020, 
Now Republicans want to change the law and say that even once you've done it the first time, you should have to upload a photo, a photo of your voter ID every single time that you request an absentee ballot. And there's just no evidence whatsoever that, I mean, it's based on nothing except a will to try to kick out eligible legal voters uh, from having access to the ballots that everyone deserves. That that law that Republicans have passed through the state legislature and a host of others, they've all been vetoed by Tony Evers, our Democratic governor. Republicans keep passing voter suppression bills and Tony Evers keeps vetoing them. It's great, but it is it's something that only can last as long as we have the governorship, which is why we're so obsessed with reelecting Tony Evers. Boy, I'll say. Um, j- just for the record, uh, just so I understand, uh, voting by mail, absentee ballots in Wisconsin, uh, is not automatic, meaning everybody does, unlike California, everybody does not get a mail-in ballot. You have to request it, correct? You're exactly right. To request yeah. an absentee ballot, to, to mm-hmm. get an absentee ballot in Wisconsin, you have to upload a photo of your voter ID, uh, request the ballot, and then once it comes, then you need to not only fill it out and, and sign it and put your address on, but also have a witness who signs the back of your ballot envelope. Yeah. Uh, before you send it in. So there's it's a multi-step yeah. process. It is, you know, yeah. there's lots, lots of things we could improve about it. Um, but, you know, Republicans refused abjectly to to mail ballots to everyone right when the pandemic was peaking in 2020. Um, and they were still looking for ways to restrict absentee ballots rather than expand access to the ballot box. Oh, of course. Let's make it as difficult as we can. Is there is there uh, MO? I want to ask also about reapportionment. Uh, how's it done in Wisconsin? Uh, you know, several states, California among others, you keep coming back to California, uh, had voter initiatives. I think Michigan did recently too, where the people said, no, let's take reapportionment, put it in the hands of an independent commission and get it away from the hands of the of the politicians, uh, no matter who's controlling the legislature. Uh, what's the case in Wisconsin and how important is it to this effort to preserve democracy? Fair maps, nonpartisan redistricting is one of the most popular ideas in our state. It has, uh-huh. you know, eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 Wisconsinites want a system where voters choose their politicians instead of politicians choosing their voters. Uh, and people have been organizing and have passed referenda in counties representing, I think, more than four out of five people in our state hmm. uh, that would support fair maps. But those are all advisory. In other words, they... Right. They demonstrate the will of the people, but they don't have the force of law. In Wisconsin, in order to pass a, a constitutional amendment, um, you have to pass something through the legislature in two successive legislative sessions. So there's no mechanism that the public can just demand that we get fair maps. And Republican state legislators have absolutely refused because they know that that's how they got into office is gerrymandering the state. And what that in turn meant is that when Governor Evers ran for office, he ran very much on a promise to fight for fair maps. He created a People's Maps Commission that operated the way that a lot of the nonpartisan you know, map drawing commissions do in other states. They created proposed maps, as were discussed, um, but Republicans threw them out, passed ultra-gerrymandered maps through the state legislature. The governor then vetoed their maps, and then Republicans sued to get our state Supreme Court to take over the map drawing process instead of federal court. And the partisan Republicans in our state Supreme Court, who had years before actually said that they didn't think that the state the Supreme Court should be in the business of deciding maps because it was such an inherently political process, they went back on their previous commitment. And they announced that not only would they make the final determination about our maps, but they would use a, um, a metric of least changes necessary to comport with the law. And what that means 
is that they'll make the least changes necessary. Uh, they'll, they'll make the least possible changes to maps that were drawn to benefit Republicans in 2010. So it's going to be, they won't be laser etched maps to benefit Republicans the way that they were in 2010. This time, you know, the court is not going to, well, we'll find out, but they're unlikely to make them as bad as the last ones were, but they won't, they won't be as dramatically better as they should be based on what the public actually wants and voted for in the governor's race. And then these, these referenda all across the state. So I think, you know, it's still going to be a, a tough slog in our state legislature based on everything we've seen because Republicans still control the judiciary and the state legislature that plays such a big role in drawing maps in our state. So you have a governor's race this year, a U.S. Senate race this year, a battle over redistricting and a battle over mail-in ballots. Um <laughs> What else is going on in Wisconsin, Ben? What do you do with your spare time? I mean, it is, I mean, it, it is, it's, you know, democracy central, right? The state of Wisconsin. Uh, I'll and, add one last piece. Yeah. We have, we have elections coming up actually in just a few weeks. In February, there's a primary. In April, there's general elections for the nonpartisan offices like mayors, oh. some judicial races, uh, city councils, and some places the municipal clerk who oversees elections directly is elected. Most places it's appointed by the mayor, so mayor's races matter a ton. And those local races have been a huge focus for Republicans who want to disrupt and undermine our democracy. And so we actually have a, a giant operation underway right now to support local candidates who believe in democracy running for local office in April. And that's a, a huge reason why we're getting rolling with everything that we do earlier than we ever normally would when there's no statewide election. Because what happens in April will affect what happens in November. And what happens in November in Wisconsin affects the whole country, not only with the Senate majority online in 2022, but the presidency in 2024. Well, I feel guilty about taking so much of your time away from those important efforts, but I also feel very gratified uh, for all of us that you are on the job, a job in Wisconsin. Ben Wickler, thank you so much for all your good work, and thank you for joining us here on the Bill Press Pod. Thanks so much, Bill. Thanks to all your listeners. Carry on. And that's it for today's podcast with Ben Wickler, chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party. A big thanks to Ben, and a big thanks to all of you for joining us, for listening today. You know, you hear about what's happening in Wisconsin, you really want to help and do everything you can. Here's how you do it. There's a link in the episode notes of this podcast. Go to their website, wisdems.org, W-I-S-Dems.org. Again, follow the link in the episode notes of this podcast to get to that website. Then you can send whatever help you can to the effort to win Wisconsin and to save America. We'll be back on Friday with our Reporters Roundtable after what should be a very busy week as Congress comes back in session after the Martin Luther King holiday. So take care of yourselves, be good, be strong, stay sane, and we'll see you again on Friday with the Reporters Roundtable on the Bill Press Pod.